Hello and welcome to FX Talk, an eBreed podcast all about the foreign exchange market, where we break down some of the main news headlines in financial markets and give our take on what these developments might mean for the world of FX. My name is Matthew Ryan, Senior Market Analyst here at eBree, and I'm joined as always on the podcast by two of my colleagues, our Chief Risk Officer, Enrique Diaz-Alvarez, and Market Analyst, Roman Zuruk. Hello, everyone, and to our latest episode of FX Talk. And we start by talking about one of the main topics of discussion in markets in recent weeks, and that is the ongoing fears surrounding a possible slowdown in global growth in 2022. Uh, on the whole, most economies uh, rebounded well uh, from the COVID-induced slowdowns last year as an easing of restrictions allowed for unleashing and pent-up demand. Uh, while the strict COVID restrictions are, are a thing of the past for most of us, uh, a number of other downside risks have materialised of late, causing markets and central bankers to fret that a slowdown could be on the cards during the remainder of the year. Uh, one of these risks to growth is the ongoing cost-of-living crisis in many countries, in most instances, consumer prices have risen at a very aggressive rate around the world in the past few months, largely a result of supply chain disruptions and rising commodity prices. The war in Ukraine, of course, has further disrupted supply chains and weighed on sentiment, as have the course of recent lockdowns in China. A number of cities there remain under strict restrictions, which has triggered a, a bit of a collapse in the country's recent economic data. Heightened concerns over a slowdown in growth and possible Recessions later in the year have weighed on risk assets of late, notably equity markets. Um, we've also seen the safe haven US dollar rise to its strongest position in two decades. Uh, although there has been a bit of a reversal in risk sentiment in the past couple of weeks, uh, with an easing in the aforementioned growth concerns, sending the US dollar lower against most currencies in the past couple of weeks. Uh, and that's going to be our main first topic today, global growth concerns. Are, are they justified? or perhaps a bit of an overreaction. What do you guys both think about global growth this year? I mean, I just find it very difficult to see how we're going to a recession, uh, given, I mean, let's go over the, the, key, uh, the, the, the key macroeconomic indicators. Uh, we are at or beyond full employment in most uh, economic areas, definitely in the US, probably the Eurozone as well. Uh, rates are still hugely negative real rates real overnight rates even after the uh the hikes in 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 the US uh, the prospect for hikes in the eurozone i mean the, there's no way the hike, uh, overnight rates are going to be anywhere near the inflation rate uh, for the foreseeable future uh it has it has gone off the radar screen a little bit but let's let's not forget that government deficits are still massive everywhere and there's no concerted effort to bring them down I mean, when you put together all these this, this, um, these factors, it's very difficult to see how the economies could go into sustained recessions. I mean, maybe we'll see like a quarter of uh, technical negative growth like we did in the U.S., but but the recession, which is a sustained downturn economic activity, I, I don't see it. And in fact, the, the PMIs uh, everywhere, uh, and the key PMIs indices of business activity remain comfortably above the, uh, the expansion mark in the, in the low to mid to high 50s. Yeah, so I, I think that we are starting to see a tight turning with regards to the economic situation, economic activity globally. 
With regards to recession concerns, uh, I would start by saying that economists are generally quite terrible at predicting recessions um, because you have to identify the risks, you have to attribute the correct scale uh, to the risk, so how important that risk actually is, and then you have a something that that can suddenly pop up and just uh, push a, an economy into a recession. So uh, it, it is very hard to predict something like that. But with regards to the economy slowing down, I think that we have enough data right now to say that this is something that is uh, currently happening. Uh, we are starting to see declines in the PMI uh, data in the US and particularly in the UK. Eurozone is uh, slowing as well, but uh, not on a similar scale. We have a housing sales data in the US, which suggests that perhaps the demand is lower. And we have the increases in jobless claims, quite steady increases, the data uh, constantly worse than uh, expecting. Mm, than expected. So uh, I, I think that those are enough reasons uh, for us to say that the economy is indeed slowing down. And there is a number of risks that are in the background, situation in China, situation in Ukraine, and uh, that could uh, possibly just induce a stronger scale of uh, the deceleration in economic activity. With regards to recession, I don't know, because it's it's very hard to predict. I mean, yeah, there's, there's some sense of a uh, slowdown. Uh, the frankly, jobless claims in the in the U.S. are increasing for an extremely low level. I think that uh, the normal full employment, we're still, we could still see a significant pickup in those jobless claims, and and would be at uh, what would be normal uh, turnover in the labor market at full employment. But yes, I mean, this we're not going to see booms. Uh, uh, on the scale as we saw last year, because the economies were recovering from uh, from the lockdowns, uh, the question is: Are we going to see a sustained downturn, a sustained increase in unemployment, uh, the two consecutive quarters of, of clearly negative growth, which is usually the technical definition of a recession? And I just I don't see that. I don't see as long as uh, the, the 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 financial conditions remain as stimulative as they are, I I have trouble seeing that. Yeah, I think it will also largely depend on inflation, because if the inflation continues to rise, then it may have a stronger effect on demand, negative effect on demand. And we also would likely see more monetary policy tightening, which also would be negative for growth. So I would focus not only on the um, business activity data, labor market data, but also on the inflation. Yeah, consider that. Aramati, do you see inflation data having a direct impact? I mean, if inflation data does not improve as the markets expect, do you see that actually causing a recession? I mean, it just it seems like that's not clear to me, given the the fact that businesses are seem to be able to pass on uh, the uh, the price pressures onto in prices and, and investing remains strong in spite of inflation. I think that we could see continued upward prices and inflation and still not see a recession. Yeah, I mean, the, the issue is maybe it's an anecdotal evidence or evidence based on the service. Uh, but I think that uh, people are starting to be more and more concerned with uh, rising prices. And uh, this may well lead to a decline in uh, in consumption based on that. Uh, I see it uh, myself here in Poland and most of the people I speak to have the exact uh, same view on the situation where uh, we just uh, slow our consumption 
consumption because of what's happening and the consumption indicators, uh, sorry, the sentiment consumption indicators suggest something similar and the certain activity data could also suggest it. So I think that something might be going on with this. Yes, yeah, so I mean, that, when you talk about inflation, I think that's clearly the main risk to growth this year. You know, there's a lot of uncertainties in the global economy, particularly with China and and the war in Ukraine, of course. But I think the, the, the big risk to growth globally, certainly among the major economic areas, is this sharp increase in inflation that we've seen recently, notably the big increase in commodity prices. Um, yeah, as you guys have been saying, we've not necessarily seen a deterioration in the hard data just yet. Recent retail sales data has been pretty strong, certainly at the US and the UK. Um, while I think, you know, we, we could be in for a slowdown, um, I, I, I do agree with you, Enrique. I, I don't think we necessarily are in for, for sharp material slowdowns um, just yet. And, and recession fears, I think, are slightly overblown. Um, so far, consumers appear pretty resilient. Um, I, think, I think there's a number of reasons why that might be the case. Possibly uh, attitudes towards the pandemic. You know, we've had a good best part of a couple of years where we've, uh, uh, you know, people pent up demand and, and people unable to do the things that they would like to do. And I think there's an element of, of making up for lost time uh, in consumer spending activity, uh, as well as the fact that a lot of individuals have built up fairly significant savings over the lockdown period. So I don't actually think we'll necessarily see um, a sharp downturn in consumer demand uh, as a result of this increase in prices. But certainly, I think a slowdown is on the way. Uh, and as we were mentioning, the PMIs, certainly the latest UK PMIs were, were, were very disappointing, much uh, weaker than expected, and only just above the level of 50. Consumer confidence data has also deteriorated. And that generally tends to indicate that a slowdown is on the way. So slower growth, but uh, I, I do agree with you, Enrique. I think perhaps recession fears may be at this stage a little bit overblown. Okay, we're going to move on now and, and talk about what we've seen in markets in reaction um, to these gr growth concerns in the last few weeks or so. Um, notably, the recent sell-off in the US dollar and the rally in euro dollar, which has uh, benefited from some hawkish comments from ECB President Lagarde. Uh, the dollar has lost ground against just about every other currency in the world in the past two weeks or so. Uh, there's been a number of factors behind the move, perhaps a little bit of, of profit taking, as is often the case when a, a currency rallies sharply in such a short space of time. Headlines out of China have also improved. Um, virus cases there have dropped. We're seeing uh, an easing in restrictions, particularly in Shanghai. Well, global economic data has held up relatively well. We've talked about US and UK retail sales. Consumers so far appear relatively resilient in the face of rising inflation, and that's good news for risk appetite. As I said, most currencies have outperformed uh, the US dollar in the past uh, two weeks, notably uh, the euro, which has jumped back above the 107 level earlier this week, partly following a hawkish pivot um, from ECB President Lagarde. Uh, Lagarde effectively teed up at least 25 basis point rate hikes at the July and September ECB meetings, saying that the bank's negative interest rate policy will be over by the end of the third quarter. Uh, and calls for parity in, in the euro-dollar pair, which we said at the time were, were unwarranted, uh, have died down considerably. Um, so what do you both make of the retracement in the dollar uh, and the rally in euro-dollar following Lagarde's hawkish comments? I mean, I think that, uh, that, uh, we have, we had been talking about this, uh, how 
the expectations for hikes from the Federal Reserve were so aggressive that in the short term, at least, it was hard to see how they could go any higher. And that uh, the, the main issue now was what's going to happen with the European Central Bank. And uh, now we have a clear hawkish turn on the part of the European Central Bank. Uh, the, the hike for July is pretty much a done deal. There's a chance it'll be 50 basis points today. The uh, more hawkish members were out saying that uh, we couldn't provide a 50 basis point hike, which would be almost unprecedented for the European Central Bank. And we've had, as a result, this for two months now. The rate differential between the U.S. and Europe that had widened relentlessly for for over a year has actually started narrowing, and we are back at the levels we were two months ago. Um, if with this, this, like I said, uh, I think that there's definitely room for that spread to compress further as the European Central Bank continues its turnaround, its pivot to a hawkish policy when I'm seeing that inflation is here to stay and it's not transitory. And and so I think that, frankly, uh, parity, I would almost rule it out, the possibility of parity. I think we could see uh, this recent rebound in the euro could have some legs. Yeah, I think it has some legs uh, as well. And I think we were quite correct to call the uh, parity um, as unlikely. With regards to uh, what's going on with the dollar right now, I think the market just stopped expecting a uh, significant policy tightening more than they were expecting. In fact, they priced out quite a bit of expectations. No one is talking about a 75 basis point hike anymore. Uh, and if we look at the year end, uh, even the some of the rate hikes were priced out uh, from then. We have seen that this uh, growth scare has translated into a decline in both short term and long term yields. And uh, in this context, I think that it's quite natural for the dollar to depreciate. And I think that Lagarde used the opportunity to push the euro dollar uh, higher and uh, by uh, clearly stating that they are going to tighten policy uh, by raising rates in July and continuously so in the um, coming uh, coming month. Uh, so I think that this trend is uh, could have legs, uh, and we are expecting it to continue. Yes, and you, as you said, both have been saying we've been calling for this retracement in the dollar uh, for some time now. Actually, I, I must admit the rally is, has lasted longer than we expected. Um, but as you said, it, I think it remains the case that most of the interest rate hikes from the Federal Reserve this year are now already priced in, and there's perhaps room for for other central banks to catch up. Um, notably, the European Central Bank. You know, we didn't we didn't necessarily expect such an explicit signal from Lagarde so soon. I think I, I thought they'd wait until the, at least the June meeting. Um, but, but but that U-turn itself is not really all that surprising. Um, I think given the, the inflationary pressures we're seeing in the eurozone. Um, you know, my view now is I think July, September and December rate hikes from the ECB are now pretty much guaranteed. I'd expect 25 basis point moves in all three of them. Um, I think that's probably now the, the bare minimum. Uh, and as markets come around to that view, probably more upside, as we've been saying, more upside possible in euro dollar. Particularly as well, I, I should add, it, if global growth holds up better than expected, that should be good 
um, for risk assets and negative for the dollar. Yeah. With regards to the ECB, uh, I think that uh, all of us can rule out that the interest rate hikes will be at a small scale of 10 basis points that people were expecting previously, that the base case is for 25 basis points hike in July and in upcoming meetings um, after that. Uh, but what do you think about the possibility of a 50 basis point hike? Because this is the pace that the Federal Reserve is uh, right now uh, conducting its hikes. And it's also seen in certain other economies. Do you think it's uh, possible with the ECB? I mean, I think it's, it's certainly a possibility. Um, uh, the ECB is far behind the curve, further than the Federal Reserve. It starts from uh, even low. It normally starts, it's going to start to hike much later by starting from uh, from a much lower level. I mean, let's not forget, rates are still negative, uh, negative over 50 basis points, which is, is frankly insane with the inflationary backdrop that we have. Uh, so there's going to be, I mean, clearly the ECB is, 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 is a slow-moving institution, it's a stodgy institution. Um, the, there's a lot more political divergence between the representatives in the Council of the various countries compared to uh, national central banks. But uh, I, I think that is definitely a possibility. Uh, it, it, I, absolutely, I, th I think clearly it's needed. They should do it, whether they, they'll actually be able to do it. I, I would give it a 50% chance at this point. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a big question, really, isn't it? It's, it's the difference between what we think they should do and what they actually will do. Um, as you said, they're quite a slow-moving uh, entity that they, they don't like making sort of big sweeping changes Um, they tend, generally tend to lag behind most of their other you know, major central banks. So, you know, it'll be interesting though. I think, I think you're right. I think there's a, a decent chance later in the year, perhaps, um, if inflation does get out of control in the Eurozone, then they could move in, in even bigger in increments. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, I, I think so as well. And I think that the situation um, in which the ECB is, that they first said that they have to quit the QE program and then uh, hike interest rates actually makes it more likely because if they uh, wouldn't uh, have this um, sequentioning, uh, if they were able to hike rates in June, um, then I think that uh, they might just go with a few 25 basis point hike from then. But considering that they are likely going to start in July, uh, I think that there is indeed a perhaps a 50% chance that they might uh, have a 50 basis point hike. <laughs> Okay, great. We're going we're gonna to move on now and end our podcast by discussing our spotlight currency for the week. Uh, and the currency this week, as voted for by our followers on LinkedIn, will be the Chinese yuan. Uh, CMY has been one of the more interesting currencies in the emerging market universe in recent months. Uh, it has been one of the most resilient during the pandemic era, although fresh lockdowns in China have weighed heavily on the currency of late as has uh, the easing in monetary policy from the People's Bank of China. Uh, the yuan crashed by around about 7% or so against the dollar to its weakest position since September 2020 in mid-May, although we have seen a little bit of a recovery in the currency as, as cities in China, notably the likes of Shanghai, unveil plans to ease lockdown measures. Uh, but what's next for the yuan? What do you both think? Is it a buy, sell or hold opportunity? Um, I think that, the, of course, the main factor here is going to be when the uh, the Chinese authorities come to grips with the, with the impact of the zero COVID policy. Uh, there's some encouragement in this direction, but 
clearly that that we haven't seen that yet. Uh, I think once they do, once they they realize that lockdowns are are not really the answer to to COVID, we could see a significant rally. But at this point, in the very short term, I would probably hold until that happens. There'll be plenty. I think there'll be time to buy into the rally when uh, we see a turnaround in Chinese COVID policy. So I'm going to go with hold for now. Yeah, I think the prospects for the one are generally positive and uh, the currency is right now sold off quite a bit um, because of the situation in Shanghai and right now also in Beijing. Uh, but as Matthew said, the situation in Shanghai is improving and we are expecting that the lockdown will be lifted uh, next month. And in fact, some restrictions are already being eased. Um, but uh, I think that the uh, there is still a proportion of uh, this uh, coronavirus issue in the exchange rate. So I think that if it gets priced out, if the situation improves, then the yuan can uh, appreciate. Nonetheless, I'm not optimistic that China will uh, stop the zero COVID policy. I haven't seen any particularly strong signals that they are going to do that. What I'm hoping is that they're just going to be able to contain the virus in Beijing and main cities. And this will lead to a, a easing of restrictions and improvements in economic activity. And this will allow the UN to appreciate in, in my view. Um, but uh, with regards to the zero COVID, uh, unfortunately, uh, it seems that they are sticking with it uh, despite the, the cost. So uh, it may well happen that if we have another outbreak and the UN can be pressured again. Yes, and I think certainly downside risks have, have heightened since we last talked about the currency on the podcast. Um, it certainly looks likely that Chinese growth will slow this year as a result of the strict lockdowns. Um, although I, I do agree with you, Enrique, and we have been talking about this for a while now, these policies, zero COVID, I, I just see it as, a, as an unsustainable policy. I, I can't see where they a scenario where they, they, they impose zero COVID um, added infinitum. I just, I just can't see how that is a possible long-term solution. Um, you know, we may get a, a scenario where where some of these restrictions are eased, um, and they take a slightly less hands-on approach to future outbreaks. I think that's the only way forward um, for China. So, so that slightly improves the, the growth outlook going forward. Uh, and actually, you know, we, we're talking about the PBOC and its easing measures. I, I think they'll start taking a slightly more balanced approach as well as inflationary uh, pressures begin to mount. Um, you know, so these, these factors, CMY's growing importance in, in the global financial system as well. I actually think that the UN offers a bit of a buy opportunity, perhaps a soft buy opportunity, but a, a, an opportunity to buy nonetheless. From, uh, from current suppressed levels. And that's it from us. If you're keen to hear more about our thoughts on the FX market, visit Ebreed's website or follow us on social media. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on your favourite podcast app. And let us know if there are any topics you'd like to hear more on during upcoming episodes. Keep an eye out for our next episode in a fortnight's time. Thank you all very much for listening. <laughs>